Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your presence, God. I thank you, Father, for, for your love in our lives, God, for, for your plan for our lives, Lord Jesus. And I just pray, Father, that, that that plan, even as we prayed for Lucy this morning, would be realized in each one of our lives, Lord God. And, and Holy Spirit, would you speak to us this morning? Would you have your way? Would your name be glorified, your kingdom built? And God, would you just challenge us and transform us that we would live differently after hearing your voice? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eye on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Uh, If you're not running, you're not leading. We've been talking, uh, this is the last sermon of the series we've been doing uh, for a while, over the last three months. We've done four weeks of loving, four weeks of serving, and four weeks of leading. And as we've covered leading over the last several weeks, we've talked about number one, self-leadership, number two, the race. So, much, so many times in Scripture, our Christian lives, our walks are referred to as races, and there's a reason for that. Um, but we've talked about how to get from the couch to the 5K, Uh, how to leave the captivity of the couch, how the couch will kind of absorb you, uh, no matter how motivated you may be, on the couch, watching other people run and inspired, it's hard to get off the couch and start the training and get from the couch to actually running the race. And so many times that's where we find ourselves in our Christian walks with with God. Uh, Pastor Rennie um, talked last week about running with endurance. Um, how you run your race is important. Uh, it's not about starting off at a flat-out sprint. In fact, many people who do, you find them and pass them by later on during the race. And he gave a couple of examples in his own running uh, and his, when he was a little bit younger, how, uh, how a couple of, of, of people that were running with him, one he found throwing up along the way later, and the other one he found sitting by a tree saying, hey, I'm done, I'm spent. Uh, and how you need to, you know, if you have a good coach, they'll tell you to pace yourself. And just stick with that pace and, and stay hydrated and just run the race and you will finish. And so it's not about how you start, um, it's how you finish. It's about running to the end. And so uh, if you've missed any of these messages that are online, um, you can get a seat if you want to. Um, but they're online on our website and they're available um, by Sunday night each uh, weekend. So get those. But how does this relate to leading, you may ask? Well, I know watching athletes can be inspiring, right? I mean, for me, it's hard for me to sit by. I think when I watch football, I want to play football. When I watch people running, I want to run. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's just watching people compete and, and run um, is, is inspiring. Uh, and how many of you guys know that, that your life is inspiring? It really is. If you're running and you're living um, the life that God's called you to live, you're going to inspire people. Uh, if, if you doubt that's true, I could probably ask you a question, but many of you have been inspired by other people's lives, right? I mean, I know I have. I know, I know I, just in my own parents' life, it's not what they said so much, it's how they lived that inspired me. Uh, I saw the gospel not talked about or just talked about, but lived 
and, and, it's, and, and, and the roughness of it, but also in, in how real it is as well. And that inspired me. And many of you have people like that in your lives as well. And so just by running your race the way God has called you to, you are leading people. Um, but God has called each one of us. Scripture tells us that there's a, a race marked out for us um, each one of us has a race. Each one of us has a path that God has, has, has ordained for you from the beginning of time. This is your race. This is your path to run. And, and although we've talked about 5Ks and marathons, honestly, the truth is that our races in life don't look so much like 5Ks and marathons um, because we didn't start the race. And chances are, if the Lord tarries, we won't finish the race or so end the race. Um, the race actually started uh, thousands of years ago. And we have a portion in that race. We have a leg in that race. We have a certain section that we must run. Um, we have a moment in time, if you will, out of eternity. Um, and that race really is better defined as a relay. So I really feel like the Christian life that, or race that we have um, is better defined as a, as a relay race rather than a 5K or um, a 26.2-mile marathon. Um, because at some point, you're past a baton. Uh, again, I want to reiterate, this was started thousands of years ago. Um, we might finish the race if God comes back while we're still alive. But if not, then we have a responsibility to run our leg well and then to pass the baton on to others. Uh, so we've talked about the train up. Uh, we've talked about running uh, with endurance and pacing yourself. But the most critical part in, in our races is passing that baton. Making sure that the race continues beyond your segment or your moment in time. The video we watched uh, was this fumbled exchange between uh, a Jamaican team that cost them the race. They were doing really, really well. And uh, they got past the first exchange, and it's going for the second exchange. But the person who was supposed to be receiving the baton during the second exchange didn't start running when he should have. And because he didn't start running when he should have, by the time the passer of the baton got to him, he actually ran past him. And he could not uh, hand the baton off successfully. And that exchange or lack of exchange cost them. This happened in 2004. I have a slide here. This is the, uh, the USA women's um, 4x100 relay team. Uh, they really were an exceptional team, and they were slaughtered. They were favored to win. Uh, they were the fastest team. But you need to understand that in a relay race, it's not just speed that matters. You can be the fastest team, and a slower team can beat you if their exchange of the baton is a smoother transition than your exchange. And that's exactly what happened here. Their exchange, uh, they dropped the baton in the exchange, in the exchange zone, and they lost the race. Again, in 2008, I believe it was, same thing happened. Uh, they exchanged the baton outside uh, the exchange zone. And I'll get into this in a little bit. Outside the exchange zone, and because of that, they were disqualified. So that exchange, for me, I didn't run really. I ran, you know, uh, long distance. Um, but in kind of studying this, I've learned a lot about this. I always thought, and if some of you guys ran relay, you're probably going to think, okay, yeah, this makes perfect sense, and you've known this all along, but for the rest of us who've been ignorant, forgive us. 
But to me, it was like, man, I'm running with the baton. If I can just get in the other guy's hand, like, oh, tag, you're in. Like, oh, I've done my part, right? But no, that's not really the way it is at all. That, 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 it, it requires not just speed in a relay race, but skill, um, talent, and being incredibly intentional uh, and, and, and strategic in the actual exchange of that baton. And so much to the degree that if you mess that up, it could cost you everything. And so I, I want to take a, a few moments here this morning to kind of explain to you the relay system and how this works. And I want you to get this. Because yes, we're talking about a relay, but we're talking about our Christian lives at the same time. All right. So on, up on the screen, what I have here is um, just basically just, just this, what's supposed to simulate this track. Obviously, um, it's not equal distances. In the real track, it would be actually uh, equal distances. But in a, in a four by 100 meter relay, you have four people running, each team members to run 100 meters. Um, they start at the start line. The first exchange is opposite the start line. Then there's the second handoff. Then there's the third handoff, all right? Each running basically equal distances. Interesting, before we move to the next slide, is that out of all of these runners, not one of them will run the full 400 meters. Makes sense, all right? There's only one thing that will actually go the full 400 meters that will finish the whole race, and that's what they're carrying. The goal is to get what they're carrying, that baton, from start to finish the fastest. If that baton is dropped, the race is over. If that baton it doesn't cross the finish line, then the race is over. So no one finishes from start to finish. They all have a segment and a section within that race. If we go to the next slide. Um, so passing that, if it's about this, passing this baton is, 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 is critical to that run. And so within each handoff, Within this 400-meter race, there is a 20-meter exchange zone, all right? They have to exchange the baton within 20 meters. If the baton is exchanged outside that 20-meter zone, they're disqualified. If the baton is dropped within that 20-meter zone, as long as it's still within the exchange zone, they can pick it up and keep running. They're probably not going to win at that point, but they can finish the race, so that exchange zone, the goal within that exchange zone, just so you know, is that the passer of the baton is still running full speed and the receiver of the baton is actually running full speed at the exact same time. Why? So this baton never slows down. Make sense? Right? If there's an awkward, if you're slowing to hand it off, you're, 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 you're losing, all right? Um, and so what happens is, in order for this to happen, prior to that 20-meter exchange zone, you're going to see that 10-meter. And that 10-meter is an acceleration zone. That 10-meter is not where that baton is to be exchanged. That 10-meter that zone is when that next runner, that receiver, he's picking up speed. So what happens in a relay race is this. When the guy who actually has the baton gets to a certain place in the track, and it's different for everyone, it's based on you know, that guy's speed and the next guy's speed. He knows for him to be at the same acceleration, the same um, rate of running, the same speed, he knows that he has to start running at that certain point. So whether he's getting a signal or someone's yelling at him, no, run now, he's waiting. He's got 10 meters 
to pick up speed. So the, the pastor's running full speed. He's got the baton. He gets to that certain point, and all of a sudden, that next guy, the receiver, he gets the word, and he's an acceleration, and he starts running. He's not looking back. He's running full speed to get up to where he needs to be. And as he gets the exchange zone, if it's done right, in that 20-meter zone, they are now running almost, not side by side, but the same speed. And let me see, Anthony, come up here real quick. Let me just give this to you so you guys can see. This is, this is the amount of work that goes into this, all right? We both look like we're relay runners. All right, all right. Based on experience. All right. Um, so what's happening is this. That's the running move right there, all right? The, the look, too. All right. So if, I am, I have, if I've got the baton, all right, we're in the same lane, all right? If the baton is in my right hand, I always will pass it to his left hand, all right? If it's in my left hand, I will pass it to his right hand. This means this. If I am running with my right hand, I need to be on the left side of the lane that I'm in. And he needs to be on the right side, right? Because this would be awkward, right? So what's supposed to do is you run. He puts his hand back. He's not looking. He's looking ahead. Okay, he's good. And just you come up. And there's different ways of passing, but just for the sake, this is how it goes, right? If I don't get this right, all right? There's a number of things that happens. If he doesn't start running, you get the Jamaican team thing where the guy runs by him. You see it? And the guy wasn't ready. And, and they said they, can't, they couldn't believe it because he was distracted. He was talking about the next event. Whatever the case was, it was such a major mistake and failure on TV. He was thinking about some other thing he had to be doing that he missed where he was in the exchange. Hold on. No, you're not done. You're going to preach with me. All right. So... So here's the thing. So, so the way it's supposed to be is, is if, if, he, if he's not running ahead of time, he's going to miss it, all right? If I'm not lined up right and being intentional about what I'm doing, then if I'm on his side of the lane, I'm going to run into him. I could trip up his feet. He could trip. He could fall. There's so many things that could go wrong in the exchange zone. And all right, give him a hand. He's done now. All right. Thank you, Anthony. And so that exchange uh, zone is, is critical, in order for them to run and be completely successful. Um, this is why we say, again, races can be won and races can be lost in that exchange zone. I say all of this because our lives reflect this. Your life is a race. And each one of us may be in a different part of the relay race. Some of you may be in a receiving mode. Some of you might be in a running mode where you've got the baton. Um, and some of you might be in a transition mode where you're handing the baton off. Sometimes age determines where you are. Sometimes just where you are in ministry determines. Um, the interesting thing about this is that none of us carry just one baton. Like we can carry multiple batons. And I think that that exchange zone in our lives is different for different aspects of our life. So it's not just at the end of your life that you're going to hand a baton off. You might hand it off in a certain time frame. Maybe if your season is done in a certain area. We must always be ready to receive a baton, to run our race hard, and to also hand it off. Um, in this, you know, you're talking about some incredibly fast people. I'm sure at the time where they actually exchanged and the passer hands that baton off to the receiver, I'm sure that that athlete was not at the end of himself. 
I'm sure he wasn't probably going to double over and be exhausted. I'm sure he had more energy. I'm sure that those athletes probably could have done another lap, probably not the same speed, but they could have, right? These are professional athletes. Um, Could you imagine what would happen if the guy who had the baton said, man, I like the attention of the baton. Everybody's cheering for me. I don't think I want to hand it off yet. I still got more in me, right? And he runs by the guy who's supposed to receive it. At that point, he's made the race what? About him, not about this. I've got more in me. I want to keep this going. I like how this feels. I like the attention. I like the clapping, whatever the case may be. Sometimes in Christianity, we hold on to the batons longer than we should because we make it about ourselves. Sometimes in Christianity, the person who's receiving the baton decides he doesn't like the way the guy who currently has the baton is running, and he wants to start early. So he's critical of the person who's currently running, and he just starts to accelerate ahead of time and run before his time. This happens a lot, right? And as he starts running, he's now way ahead where he should be, but by the by the time the baton is in the exchange zone, he's out of the exchange zone, and he's not ready for the baton, and the exchange isn't where it should be. And the other thing about this, too, is that God has given you that baton for a season, for a time. But the problem is that we as Christians sometimes make this about ourselves. Maybe we like the glory of the baton, you know? Here's what happens in, in, in Christianity a lot, is that a lot of times you see a couple of things. You see the younger criticizing the older and saying, you know what, if they knew how church should be, this is what they should be doing. They shouldn't be doing the hymns, and they shouldn't be doing this. Man, this is what they should be doing. We need to be more relevant. And they start getting critical, and they start beating up basically the the older generations who have been there and seen what God has done. And that's a shame. Because the reason we sit where we are as as a younger generation is because of the faithfulness of those who carry the baton ahead of us. And because of the effectiveness of, 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 of their faith and what God's done in their lives. And you can never take away from that. And, and, and it's sad when we start, you know, criticizing those. And then the other side of this is you've got some of the older people who hold the baton. And they're saying, you know what? I don't like this new way of doing things. I don't think this is right. I don't like the worship. I don't like this. Man, the old way was better. And what happens in that is they hold on to the baton. Because they don't like the way someone's running. You know, all of our races are different, right? People are placed uh, in that relay race based on skill, ability, where they are. That's why they occupy certain positions. And those who run relay, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's you play a position. Our ministries will look different. The goal for us, the baton that we carry is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and, 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 and crossing that race is to make sure it's carried out in effectiveness, meaning are people basically being saved and being led to Christ? Is the, is the truth being presented? As long as the words and Scripture isn't being twisted, it is God's Word, and we've got to move this thing forward. And so we don't have time as Christians to be basically attacking each other or criticizing each other. What happens in the midst of that is batons are dropped or batons are held onto because we've made it about ourselves, our likes, our dislikes, or whatever it may be. And it can happen on both sides. It can happen with those who won't let go, and they run on going. And some, some of them are saying, you know what? No, I like this, and I like this person, but I don't want to give it to them. Sometimes we're threatened that the person coming up underneath of us will do it better than us. Maybe they'll do it better than us. Maybe, maybe, maybe I don't like that. And so I don't know if I want to give them the baton. 
So this is a dangerous thing that we have. We make the race about ourselves rather than about, about this. I want to say one more thing here. As you look at this exchange, right, that total distance represents what? 30 meters, right? We're talking a 100-meter relay or section that each person is supposed to run. Unless you're starting and unless you're finishing, you've got two transitions, one when you're receiving and one when you're passing, correct? That means that there are two 30-meter sections in your race out of 100 meters. That means 60 meters out of 100 meters is transition. You're either receiving or you're passing. Only 40 meters is done really by yourself. Think about that. Think about that. What we have to do as Christians is recognize when we're receiving. And when we're receiving, guess what? We are focusing, or or, or we're basically having two athletes running pretty close to each other, right? And when you are passing it off, again, you have two athletes pretty close together. So there's a period where you're running at the same time together. We shouldn't be running this race alone for a very long time. We should always be looking at who's going to be taking this next from us, all right? Now, I want to get into Scripture because we see this a lot in Scripture. They don't refer to it as passing the baton, but um, if you turn to 2 Kings, it's just going to roll anyway. 2 Kings chapter 2, starting at verse 6, and we'll get there in in, in a couple minutes. 2 Kings chapter 2, starting at verse 6. But in this is, is, this baton exchange that I want to talk about this morning is Elijah to Elisha. Because it's an amazing baton exchange. Um, in 1 Kings 19, again, I'm just going to paraphrase. You don't have to turn there because I just want to build us up to where we go in 2 Kings. Um, in 1 Kings um, chapter 19, God appears to Elijah. And Elijah's in a pretty low part of his life. He's, you know, he's overwhelmed. He feels alone. He's discouraged. Um, uh, he, he doesn't know about any other prophets that currently exist. And, and, and God kind of comes to him and says, hey, what are you doing where you are? And, and then God reveals himself. You know, he says, God said, well, I passed by. And, and, and you guys probably know the passage. Anyway, at the end of that, he says, listen, I want you to go back to Damascus, where you came from, and I want you to anoint Elisha to succeed you as prophet. I want you to anoint Elisha. And so what happens is Elijah goes back and he finds Elisha. And what's Elisha doing? Elisha's just this farm boy. He's, he's got two oxen and, and, he's, and he's got his, his, his plow gear and he's plowing this field. And, and Elijah does something pretty powerful. He takes his cloak and he goes up to Elisha while he's just doing his thing. He's just farming, right? I mean, is he serving God? He's just farming. And he takes his cloak and he, and he puts it around Elisha. And, and a cloak was a really important uh, piece of clothing. Um, you know, when you'd be upset, when you're mourning, you'd, you'd tear, you, how many times you read that in Scripture where they, they tore their garments and, and they tore their robes and, and, and their cloaks? And so when Elijah put this cloak around Elisha, he was identifying Elisha as his successor. I want you to think about how, what kind of moment that had to be for Elisha. How powerful was that for Elisha? Here's Elijah, this man of God. Coming up to Elisha, this farm boy, taking his own cloak and putting it around Elisha's neck and his shoulders. At that moment, what Elijah is saying to Elisha is, I recognize God's hand on you. I recognize that you are going to do great things for God. That my time isn't going to be always be here, but God's got his hand on you. 
And so this is what happens. And I just can only think what Elisha must have felt like, right? He must have been like, man, wow, Elijah, like God believes in me and Elijah believes in me. That's a powerful moment. Do you know Elisha's ministry and Elijah's ministry were completely different? They're just different. Elisha, was, he, he was more of grace. Elijah was more like fire and brimstone. They're different ministries, but the baton was exchanged. What if Elijah's like, you know, I don't think I like where Elisha's going with this, right? What would have happened? What if he had held on to the baton, but he didn't? And so what happens is this. God tells uh, Elisha, listen, go, I mean, Elijah, go and anoint Elisha as your successor, all right? And so over the next several years, I don't know how many years it is exactly. I've tried to find that out, but it doesn't really matter. Uh, let's say six to ten years even though God tells him, anoint Elisha, his power and his, that baton exchange doesn't happen at that moment. What happens is Elisha starts serving Elijah. So here's, this, here's, this, here's that acceleration period, if you will, in the relay race where Elisha and Elijah are now running together. They're running. It's this training. It's this mentoring. It's this gearing up. Elisha wasn't ready to carry the baton when Elijah put that cloak around him. Had that happened, it would have been the Jamaican team thing where he would have run over him. He wasn't ready. And so Elisha spends a lot of time with Elijah being basically accelerating, getting up to speed to where God wanted him to be. And then comes the exchange. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 6 through 15. So let's read this with together. When the Lord was about to take Elijah to heaven in a world when Elijah said this to uh, Elisha, he said, stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak and he rolled it up and he struck the water with it and the water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said, yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. And then he took hold of his garment and he tore it in two. Then Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. And he took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. A company of prophets from Jericho who were watching said, the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Now that is an effective baton exchange. That is a powerful baton exchange. 
And as I think about this, it was a cloak. Here he's been walking with Elijah for how many years? He wants to be with Elijah. He doesn't really want Elijah's time to end. And all of a sudden, Elijah gets taken to heaven and his cloak, like this baton, falls to the ground. It's at Elisha's feet. And now he's just seeing this cloak, the same cloak that Elisha just rolled up earlier and held out or struck the waters and the waters parted. That cloak is now sitting before Elisha. Elisha knows he's supposed to succeed Elijah. And he bends down and he picks up the cloak, knowing, listen, it's the power of God that matters, not the power of Elijah. And he picks up that, that, that baton of that cloak, and immediately he's in a position where he needs to use it, right? He's now standing before the water that they just crossed earlier, and he takes that cloak, he takes that baton. He doesn't say, where's now the power of, Eli- of Elijah? He said, now where's the God of Elijah? Recognizing that God's power is what matters. He goes, now where is the God of Elijah? And he takes that baton, if you will, and he holds it over the water and the water parts. Immediately, there's power. Immediately, he is not picking up a baton going, okay, now let me start running here. Now what do I do? What would Elijah do? No, he is running at full speed at the moment he gets that baton. He is running. Nothing stops. There's no pause. And the prophets recognize it and say, wow, the power of Elijah now rests on Elisha. And his ministry moves forward at a rapid pace. That's the kind of baton exchange that God calls us to. We see a baton exchange from Moses to Joshua. This amazing life that Moses has. In Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, it says basically this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid. Interesting how Joshua was, again, an aid or a servant to, um, to Moses, just as Elisha was to Elijah. And he says this to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead Now then you and all these people get ready. I love it. He's like, hey, Moses' portion of the race is over, but the race is not over. Moses' section and segment is over, but the baton continues on. Now you get ready. He says, three days from now, you will cross the Jordan. Immediately, immediately, Joshua is faced with an enormous task. It's not Joshua needs time to warm up. No, Joshua's been warming up. He's been accelerating to this point. And the minute he gets the baton, he is ready to run flat out. He says, three days from now, you, you, will, you will go and inherit the promised land. You will cross the Jordan. And that's exactly what happens. Here comes Joshua, and he walks down with the Ark of the Covenant ahead of them. They step into the Jordan River, and it parts. It's like a Red Sea experience for them. It, it, it parts. They go into the promised land. And then a few days later, they're, they're, the walls of Jericho are coming down under Joshua's leadership. Why? Because it has nothing to do with Joshua or Moses. It has to do with the power of God and that exchange of the baton. You know when we see another baton exchange? Jesus to his disciples. Three years, he calls his disciples, follow me, walk with me, see what I do. How many times when he's with his disciples did he say, you've seen me do this, now you go and do likewise? All the time, right? 
He taught them how to serve. He taught them how to be like him. Jesus dies and he's raised from the dead and he goes, he sends it into heaven. And in Matthew 28, here's what we hear him saying to his disciples. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always. To the very end of the age. What God said to Joshua was, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. What happened with Elijah and Elisha is Elisha says, where's the God of Elijah? And when that water parted, the God of Elijah said, I am with you. It's his power. It's his power that moves us forward. It's his power that gets us through. So in all of these exchanges, Elisha to Elijah, Joseph to Joshua and Moses, the disciples with Jesus, they weren't just handed the baton. There was this period of acceleration by the receivers of the baton. There was an intentional training by the pastors. Do you realize that? Moses was intentional with Joshua. Elijah was intentional with Elisha. Jesus was intentional with his disciples. And the baton is exchanged. That strategy and that skill that we talked about being on the right side and the left side, the right hand to the left hand, as, as, as intentional as those guys have to be, we as Christians need to be just as, inten- as intentional, if not more so, because the baton that we carry is far more important. A while ago, I gave this illustration. I want to give the same illustration, but I, I want to explain this to you. Anthony, you're right here. If this is your life, I know your life is not toilet paper, but if this is your life, all right? Here, take that real quick. Going back. You're going to live forever. You're going to live forever. And if this represents a bit of eternity, all right, here's what we believe. You're going to live forever whether you're a Christian or not. But if you spend your life on earth with God, then you will spend eternity with him. And if you spend your life without God on earth, then you will spend eternity without him by your choice. All right? Hell is eternally separated from God. That's hell. All right? And it's a real place. And so what God says this is this. If this is eternity, we can just keep, we don't worry about it, but we can just keep going. God says this to you. In eternity, you know what your section section on earth is like? Your segment of eternity uh, is, is about this size right here. You can't even see it right here. This portion of eternity represents your time on this world. That's it. It's a tiny little section. And God says this. I want that section devoted to me. Out of your entire life, out of eternity, says, in your life, I want you to give me that moment. And this small period of time, which seems so great right now to us now living in it, he says, I want you to throw off everything that hinders you, and I want you to understand that during that portion, you have a race that I've called you to run. It's a race that started well before you were ever born. But it's a race that you have a part in. And if you will give me your life, this tiny little bit right here, and you will dedicate to me, and you will run that race well, I want you to know that this with me waits for you forever. 
And if you choose not to, then you're also choosing to spend this away from me in hell. But this section of your life is critical. I don't want it to be about you. I don't want it to be about your wealth. I don't want it to be about your careers. I don't want it to be about you. Don't hijack it. I want it to be about me. And during this section, you can drop it, Anthony. Thank you. During this section, he says, this is what's been given to you. And it's been given to you by the guys who ran before you. And when you were born, this was handed to you. And for this moment of time, will you run as hard as you can run? Just run as hard as you can run. Will you recognize that this is so important because how you do this determines how other people will live in eternity? And so will you give your life and will you be intentional and will you run hard? We read in Hebrews, it says that since we are surrounded by such a great amount of witnesses, let us run the race marked out for us. You know what those witnesses are? They're the people who went before us, who have handed the baton to us, saying, man, I believe in you, man. Listen, don't be distracted by the enemy. Don't be distracted by the, the, the desires of this world and the flesh. Run that portion. It's not as long as you think it is. Run it and run it hard. And run it with intentionality. Be, in, be as intentional about this in your life as you would be as the athletes are in that relay race. And so I want to ask you this. You exist in this portion of this relay. Right now you do. You're either receiving, you're either running with the baton, or you're passing off. The truth is this, that many of us have multiple batons in our hands. And at different times in our lives, we'll be handing them off. It's not just an end of game thing. Do you realize that you'll be handing baton to your children? Do you realize that? Your children are watching how you live. They're not listening too much to what you say. We know that to be true. But they are watching how you live. I am here today because I watched how my parents lived through the bad stuff too. I watched how they live. You were here today because someone was faithful with their baton. You were here because someone was faithful with that baton. So no matter where you are in this relay race, I want to encourage you, be faithful to that time. If you're starting off, don't get ahead of yourself. Pray and God will put you and give you the baton at the right moment. Enjoy that time of being trained up. Don't be so critical. Be a sponge. Learn. You can learn as much from the bad as you can the good. I learn a lot from bad leaders as much as I do from good leaders. I learn what I don't want to do, right? If you are in that time frame where you've got the baton and you're running and someone's handed to you, I want you to know you have a small section of time before you should be looking at who's receiving you next from you. If you're running with that baton right now, I want to ask you, if you've got it, who is receiving it from you? Do you know? Do you know their names? Do you know who they are? Are you pouring into them? Are you, how intentional are you and I being about the person who's going to take this baton from me? See, if we're not, we forgot the reason why we're running. And some of you are in that exchange zone where, man, maybe you're tempted to hold on to that baton longer than you should. Maybe you've still got energy. And what some younger generation needs is someone who's been through the fire to look at them and say, you know what? I believe in you. You've got 
three earrings in your nose. I don't get that. It's not true. But I, you do things differently than me. I don't even like your music, but I see something in you. I see the passion of God in you. I want you to know I believe in you and I've got you. And let's run together for a while. Do you know what that does to someone? You know what that does to someone? I think that's an Elijah, Elisha moment where they suddenly go, wow, I can't believe that you would believe in me. We're so different. Yes, the ministry may look different than yours. It doesn't matter. So did Elisha's from Elijah. What are you doing with the baton that God has given you? What are you doing with it? You know, what I love about this is, is, is this, because sometimes we look at it and we go, man, I, I think with these messages, you go, man, I'm messing this one up. I, haven't, I don't even know who's handing this off from me. I'm acting like the baton, you know, I'm, I'm running and the baton's in my back pocket. You know, it's here somewhere. Well, if it's on a bookshelf somewhere, you know, it's here. I'll remember to pick it up sometime when I get time to pick up and run with it or whatever. And so many times our batons are lying on the floor because we've forgotten why we're running. That's why Paul says, man, run in such a way to win. Don't just run. Run to win. Be intentional about this. But so many times we find, and in a sermon like this, you can go, man, I've, I've messed up. I've dropped the baton. I've made it about me. Remember I said earlier that you're disqualified if you exchange the baton outside the exchange zone? Let me tell you something. If you're still breathing, you're still in the exchange zone. If you're still breathing, you are still in the exchange zone, meaning your race is not over. And if the baton has fallen in this exchange zone, you can pick it back up. In that race for the 2004 Olympics, the baton dropped in the exchange zone. Yes, they didn't win the race, but you know what they did? They picked it back up and they finished the race. You can finish the race that God has for you. And there are people waiting to receive this baton from you. I want to challenge you. If you were a deacon, who's the next deacon that you're pouring into? If you're a deacon, who's the next deacon that you go, you know what, I'm going to pour into this person and I'm going to walk with them. If you're a Sunday school teacher, who's the next Sunday school teacher? If you're a pastor, who's the next pastor that you're pouring into? If you're a parent, are you pouring into your children? Are you being intentional about giving them the baton and looking at it? I've learned this with, as my kids get from, 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 from the mid-teens to, to all the quote, he's now 19. But I learned a long time ago that I have to prep. I have to pre- she's not here so I can say this. I, can, I have to learn to prep. I can't just make decisions for her. At some point, I have to transition her to learn and to want to make the right decisions because of the right decisions. If I make all the decisions for her to the time she's 20 and I go, oh, go to college now, she's never made a decision by herself. She shows up in college and all of a sudden it's, here's the baton to your life and I don't know what to do because I was never had the acceleration time in my life. And that acceleration time can be scary as a parent, but it's important and so when Courtney started being around 15, 16, I started saying, okay, Courtney, what's your decision in this? That's scary. And why is this your decision? Teaching her to start making these decisions for herself that when she gets to those critical moments in her life, she knows how to make a decision and she can run. We have to be that intentional with our children. We have to be that intentional with our ministries. But here's the cool thing. God's given you a baton. He could have done this by himself. He wanted you to have a role in it. He wanted you to have a place in it. 
And it's not your power. It's his. All you have to do is be willing to run. Would you stand to your feet this morning? As you bow your heads this morning, I want you to know that this race or the baton that you hold in your hand began thousands of years ago. You're not the first person to hold that baton. It was passed, yes, the very baton that you hold in your hands was passed from Jesus to his disciples. It's the same baton you now hold in your hand. What are you doing with it? Will you continue it on? Will you pass that baton on? Will you build someone up? Will you pour into somebody? You don't have to be a theologian. Just pour in what you know. And we will see the next generation of Christians go on. We will see the race continue. The disciples did their job. They ran their race. They passed the baton. And I believe you will too. And I believe I will too. But we need to be intentional about it. I want to ask our prayer team to come to the front and make themselves available for prayer. And we're going to close the service down. And I just want to ask you, just respond to God uh, any way he wants you. If he wants you to come up here, then that's fine. If he wants you to do it in your seat, then, then that's fine too. But as we pray, I just want you to ask these questions. Who is it that I'm passing this baton to? Or who is it that I'm receiving this baton from? And how am I doing in the race that I'm running? And allow God to speak to you. And allow God to challenge you. And if you don't know who it is, guess what? God will show you who it is. And give your life. Run your race well. And finish the race. Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning. And we just thank you for your presence. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have called each one of us to a race. That each one of us has a section. That each one of us has a moment in time, God. And when we run this race, we run not empowered by ourselves, but empowered by the Holy Spirit. I thank you that it's not our power, but it's yours. God, I just pray, Lord Jesus, to help us to be good stewards with what you've placed in our hands. God, I pray for those who are getting ready to receive, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that you would strengthen them. God, I pray, Father, they would stay focused on you, Lord God. That they would run and accelerate, Lord Jesus, God, to the place that you want them to be, Lord Jesus. And they would receive that baton at the right moment. God, I pray for those who are running right now, Lord Jesus, and they're running hard. God, would you give them the endurance they need, Lord Jesus? God, would you help them not to hold on to the baton, to the baton longer than they were ever meant to, Lord God? Help them to encourage those as they get ready to pass it off, Lord God, to do amazing things for you in your name and in your power and in your authority, Lord Jesus. Would you move in their lives, Lord God? Let our children carry these batons, Lord God. Let our grandchildren carry this baton, Lord God. Our great-great-grandchildren, let them carry this baton. Let this be effective in their lives, Lord God. God, I pray for those in this place this morning, God, as maybe as they look at their lives, what they see is a baton lying on the ground. They see a baton in a bookshelf. They see a baton collecting dust, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Lord God, that you would encourage them to bend over, to pick it back up, and to finish the race. That you will empower them, that you will help them, Lord God. And there are people waiting to receive their baton, Lord Jesus. You are a God of grace. 
God, we live in the most unreached part of this world. I pray that you'd help each one of us to run our race well. That we would fix our eyes upon you. We would finish the race. That your name would be glorified and your kingdom built in the way that we live our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. These altars are open. We want to encourage you for, uh, if you want prayer, to come and get prayer. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. We can't wait till next Sunday. We love you. God bless.